they're amazing. They're just some of the coolest people you'll ever meet and have such purpose on their life. How many of you guys have met people where it's like, man, they're just, they're just purpose on their life? Yeah. How many of you want to be that person? Yeah. We're not talking about purpose today, but... So uh, I want to just highlight something real quick for you guys is we're starting our ministry school again here in a couple weeks. And so if you've never been to our Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry, I just encourage you guys to come check it out. Our next quarter is on leadership, and we're calling it legacy leadership. You know, legacy is a word that has to do with what you inherit, but it also has to do with what the inheritance you're building. And so if you're in a position that you feel like, man, I could grow in being a good leader, can I get an Amen. All right, there you go. You're all supposed to come then. If you're in a position where like, hey, I want to be a better leader of my family, of my business, of my relationships. I want to be a better spiritual leader. I want to walk into the calling that God has for me of leadership. As a believer, you're a leader in this world because you're marked and you're different. And there, there, there's some practical things that we can do to actually put in place uh, a, a plan for us to become the leaders that God's calling us to be. And so I just encourage you guys, leadership can look so many different ways, and Jesus completely remodels what leadership is. So come to this quarter, check it out. It's going to be amazing. You're going to leave a better leader. Amen. If you don't want to be a leader, don't come. <laughs> and talk, check your heart with the Lord. Well, hey... Um, I'm going to read something, and then we're going to kind of just have some fun. Are you guys okay? You guys good? Like, we're going to have some fun this morning, because I don't know about you, but I find that in my hardest moments of life, Jesus shows up way more lighthearted than I thought. Have you ever found it to be the case? That you guys have heard it said that seriousness is not a fruit of the Spirit, but it really feels like it should be when you're going through something, Right? It's not to say that focus and intentionality don't have their rightful place, but man, I remember going through things with the Lord. Uh, can I share a quick story to start off? So I, so I was going through something where I was just in the middle of transition. This was uh, probably like 12 years ago, but this was an encounter that really like changed my life and really marked me. And I'm, I love the Bible. How many of you love God's Word? I love God's Word, and I didn't grow up in a Christian household. Uh, and, and I began to encounter God's word through a series of events and in my uh, late teens and early 20s and completely changed my life. I got saved, healed, delivered. Come on, Jesus. I can't go into all of it. I got limited time. So you just have to trust me on that one. But I love God's word. I love reading God's word because sometimes I read it and I don't feel anything. And then later on that day, I'll have an encounter with the truth that I was exposed to. I mean, you've been there before. Sometimes I read God's word and it's just like the fire of heaven. And I just like, I want to invite everyone I know into this moment. You know, I want everyone to encounter this God of the universe. You know, I love God's word because it says that when he releases his word, that it accomplishes its purpose. That there's something powerful about us just simply exposing ourselves to God's word. I don't know how many of you felt just, just a little, little moment here just to check in. How many of you felt that shift when Derek Shatisha just released the word of the Lord in the room? Come on, Jesus. Well, I was going through something, you know, probably about 12, 14 years ago, and uh, just transition. And how many of you just look forward to hard transitions in life, you know? I mean, transitions can be challenging, even when they're really good ones, even when it's, the grass might be greener, but it still feels painful to walk there. Transitions are hard. We're not, we're not, we're in, we're in a life right now where transitions are going to be a part of your life until you meet Jesus. Did you know that? 
And transitions usually come with trials. Everyone say boo. <laughs> You're like, oh man, I thought we were talking about Jesus, you know? Here's the thing transitions can come with those momentary trials. And I was in this place of transition, and man, it was time to get, it was like nothing seems to be working, and uh, I was transitioning like where I was living, and even my job environment was transitioning, and it just felt really hard. You know, in hindsight, you look back, like, that wasn't a big deal, but at the time, how many of you know, transitions and trials feel challenging. I'm going through this, and I'm like praying, and I'm doing all this stuff, and uh, man, I'm getting more serious by the day, you know? And, and I, was, I began to walk away from even that word Chetisha shared this morning, that his burden and yoke are easy and light. And I didn't know that, though. I thought I was doing like, hey, I'm focused here. I'm, you know, this is hard, and I'm getting serious. And I had this dream. This is what I want to tell you guys real quick. I had this dream. And in this dream, I was in the dream contemplating all the stuff that I was going through, a, a job change or a life change, a, a move, a, you know, just really tough. And in, in the dream, I'm in this place where I literally went to sleep thinking about it, stressed out. And I wake up in a dream stressed out. And I'm, like, I'm in the dream stressing about it. I'm like, all right, Lord, I don't know what we're doing here. I thought your burden was easy. And I'm, I'm dreaming about being stressed out. How many of you have been there before? Maybe not. Okay. I'm in this dream, and it's like this seriousness, and I'm trying to like solve the problem. Even in the dream, I'm trying to like figure stuff out and solve problems. And then you know what happens is the Lord showed up in the dream, and Jesus shows up and walks into this empty room with me. And he walks into this empty room, and he instantly becomes this big lion. Just, just track with me for a moment. And he comes over, and I'm on the ground, like, like, like hitting the ground, like just trying to figure stuff out and feeling frustrated. And, and he comes over and just puts his head. You know how cats like put their head under you and then like nudge you with their full body? I'm not a big cat person, but you guys probably, you guys know what I'm talking about. And the, he came over and just starts playing with me on the ground. And I remember in the dream, I was like, Jesus, wait, I'm going through something. And he, did, he didn't speak. He didn't say one thing. He just kept on playing with me on the ground. And something broke in that moment. And I woke up like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you got all this covered. You got all this covered. Who's going through a trial right now or transition that feels like a trial? Just stand up right now. I just want to release something over us. And we're going to talk about something. I have some really good news for you is that it says in, in James, uh, James 1 verses 2, it's like the start of this book from, from James, and it says this. We actually have that slide. We'll put it overhead so you guys can read it. James 1, verse 2. It says, this is the start of this book, and so sometimes in the Bible we see, we see we'll go back a little bit to James 1. We see this introduction of Paul, and it's this rosy introduction. I, I long to be with you that we might impart some sort of spiritual gift. And, you know, blessed are you, the followers of the Lord, the most high saints. Here's how James opened up verse 2. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Next verse. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. I have good news for you that your trial is going to be a new place, a new soil for joy. Because your trial is not for you to figure out. It's for you to find Jesus in. It's for you to encounter the King of glory in the middle of your trial. That he's not absent from your trial. He's not like, well, Stephen, good luck. I'll see you on the other side. Joel, I hope I see you soon. Remember everything I taught you. I'm the Lord. Come visit me when you're through your trial. 
He actually says that you find joy. Now, who is the, who is the, the king of joy? Who is anointed with joy above their companions? We get to find, consider it, consider it pure joy when you find Jesus in your trial. Consider it pure joy because he's working something out in you that you can't see right now. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you right now for releasing joy right now. And we just break that heaviness, Lord, of the season that they're in. We break that heaviness, God. And I just thank you right now for the trials that's revealing soil. I thank you for the trials that's churning up soil. I thank you, Lord, for what you're releasing in their life right now. And I just thank you, Jesus, that there is joy in the midst, that you came into a broken world, Jesus, that you walk through more trials than any of us. And it says, for the joy set before you, you said yes and amen. So Lord, thank you right now that their reward is joy in the midst of trial. In the midst of what you're going through, the, the Lord's calling on your life. Your portion is still joy. Your portion is still life. And there's an endurance that's being built up in you that's part of a long, a long play that God's doing in your life. See, God has a micro thing that he brings micro breakthroughs, those instantaneous moves of the Lord in your life but he's also playing chess. He also has a long view of what's going on in your life, and it's called endurance that he's releasing because your calling and your destiny requires the fruit of this season of your life. So I just bless you that the, this season of your life is going to bear fruit. <laughs> it's going to bear fruit, and in the midst of it, you're allowed, invited, and called to joy. So Lord, I thank you right now, Jesus, for just turning our attitudes and mindsets in the midst of trials to see you in the midst of it, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. If you receive that, put your hand on your heart. Say amen. amen. Come on. I see some people sitting down doing it. You get to receive it too. It's okay. The first will be last. It's fine. The last will be first. Come on, Jesus. How many of you have seen God? You guys can sit if you want to. How many of you guys have seen God show up in a situation that it was like impossible for him to show up in? How many of you found that sometimes Jesus comes at 1 p.m. and sometimes he comes at the 11th hour? You're like, yeah, I, I declare the 1 p.m. Jesus. Mm, that's my Lord. You can take the 11 p.m. Jesus, Sean. Can I read you guys some names of God? Adonai Meshiv, the Lord who restores. El Roi, the strong one who sees. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord, my banner in victory. El Imuna, the faithful God. Anyone get a little bit encouraged? Adonai, the Lord, our master. You know, the safest place for us to be is in his presence. Do you know why? This is going to be the simplest teaching today ever. You're like, where are we going with this? We're almost there. <laughs> you know why? It's because when you're around Jesus, he just releases anointing for breakthrough in your life. This isn't, a, this isn't like a winning lottery ticket of like, oh, like, like you, have to go through, you have to go through your trials. It's just in the midst of it. He shows up over and over and over and over and over again. I have news for you. There's no perfect job. There's no perfect family. There's not work until everything becomes perfect. There's no perfect season of your life. I see people making, running for the exits right now. 
Why is it important to recognize this? Why? Because you're allowed to experience Jesus in, in and out of every season. It actually says that you're called to bear fruit in and out of every season. Am I speaking to anyone today? When we get around Jesus, he releases anointing for the things that are, that are ailing us. He releases anointing for the things of our heart, for the things of our body, for the things of our... He only has anointing. He's the anointed one. He only has anointing to give. You know, I love fixing my eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he just begins to reorient and reframe everything. Some of you are like, yeah, well, tell me, like, the secret wisdom to get through my problem. His name is Jesus. Oh, yeah, I get that. I get that. I've been in church for a long time. I get it. But, like, where's the heavy revy? No, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus over your life. He's the Adonai. He's the Lord, your master. He's your victory banner. He's your deliverer. He's your healer. His name is Jesus. He's the anointed one. I got married like a month ago. I know nothing about marriage. No, no. I know nothing about marriage. But I know Jesus. Come on. How many of you know, if there was a title for this life as a believer, it's this. It's all about Jesus. Did you know that you're now a new creation in Christ? I feel like I'm just given a word today to remind us of who we are more than anything else. So if you're here for notes, I don't know that I'm going to help you. But that you're a follower of Jesus means that you're, you've, been, you've been given a place in the kingdom where you're a new creation. This gets me so excited because it opens up lots of possibilities. It opens up lots of possibilities. When we forget who we are, our, our options shrink quickly. How many of you found that? It says this of Jesus. Well, this is what he tells us in Ephesians 5.1. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Be imitators of God. Did you know that every time Jesus did stuff, he blew the disciples' minds? Every th- when Jesus was doing things, he was constantly reorienting, repositioning, and redefining who God is. Why don't you guys open your Bibles to Matthew 14? We're going to read a quick story. And as, as, as I'm speaking today, you know, as the word of the Lord is just released, it's already, it's already been released. He's already here. How many of you know that? He's already here. If you need healing in your body, go ahead and just receive it as we, as we go. If you feel the presence of the Lord, go ahead and just stand up as we go. How many of you know you're weird? You're a Christian. Be weird. It's fine. <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, our, our life pursuit, my life pursuit is to be more and more sensitive to his presence. My life pursuit is to, is to please him. Now, you already have the righteousness of Christ, but my life's pursuit is to please him. You know how I found the best way to please him is? Is to constantly just be aware of him. That he has my attention. And so I'll do things, and, and you know, my now wife can attest to this. I know nothing about marriage. Uh, is we'll just stop sometimes if we feel the presence of the Lord. Just, just stop what you're doing. Just, just engage with him. It's a fleeting moment as you're getting home from work. It could be while you're in a store and a secular song comes on, and all of a sudden you feel the anointing of the Lord. How many of you have been there? It's that place that you're, you're, I'm creating an altar everywhere I go by stopping and building one real quick. That Jesus, everything he did surprised disciples. Why? Because he was constantly better than they thought. 
that the goodness of God should shift our theology. It says this in, in, in uh, Matthew, are you guys in Matthew 14? Now, this is a story we all know. I'm going to paraphrase. Jesus feeds 5,000. He does major miracles. Come on, Jesus. I just love seeing Jesus do miracles. He's doing major miracles. Why? Why is that so exciting? Because Jesus was fully God, fully man. But as fully man, he showed us what's possible as a a person uh, in right relationship in the anointing of the Holy Spirit for three years. That makes sense? He was fully God, fully man, but he models for us something. He didn't, do, he, didn't, he didn't perform signs and wonders as God. He performed signs and wonders as man in relationship with Holy Spirit. See, if he performed them as God, we would have no way to replicate it because we're not God. We're man. I know, deep. Where do you get this wisdom, Sean? Mm. <laughs> that he actually, when he calls himself son of man, he's saying an invitation. This is a model for anyone who wants this that I'm right now operating as a man in perfect relationship with Holy Spirit. I promise we're going to get to Matthew 14, but the context of Jesus' life is this, is after being baptized in the water, this, I'm in Matthew 3, I'm going to hop over to 14. It says, after being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on, him, on Jesus. And behold, a voice out of the heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The whole context of Jesus' life is connection and intimacy with God. From then on at his baptism, from then on his ministry, we see an open heaven. How many of you recognize? Never in scripture does it say the heavens were closed over Jesus again. It says the heavens were torn open and Holy Spirit came and descended on Jesus. Why am I saying all this? It's so important. There's an open heaven over your and my life, but we'll miss it if we don't know it's there. You'll miss it if you don't believe it. If you think that was just Jesus operating as God, you're wrong. It was Jesus operating as man. That he received the Holy Spirit so that he could walk in signs and wonders, so that he could redefine who God is. Now, Matthew 14, you guys there? Jesus feeds the 5,000. He's doing the miracles. And it says this. It says that he sent the disciples away, and he sent the disciples away to go across this lake ahead of him. He said, Go. I'm going to meet you guys there. And the disciples are just like, okay, like, how are you going to do that? We have a boat, you don't, okay. You know, so they just get in the boat and they go. How many of you ever found, just do what Jesus says? We can close in prayer right now. (laughs) Verse 25 says this, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Verse 32. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Then they crossed over and landed at Genesaree. When the men of the, that place recognized Jesus, they sent word to all the surrounding country. And people brought all their sick to him and begged him to let the sick just touch the edge of his, his cloak or garment. And all who touched him were healed. There's a lot going on here. I got to unpack just a small little piece here. Now, this is a story we all know, and this is one where you're like, yeah, keep your eyes on Jesus or else you sink, right? Everyone bashes Peter. 
I got news for you. Peter was the only one with faith to walk on water. Quit bashing Peter. Jesus actually, Jesus actually affirms what we read in Scripture, that if you need, what he's told the disciples, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can actually move mountains. Peter had mustard seed faith. He's walking on water. So before you start like getting this bold lesson from Peter about sinking, how about we look at the invitation that, that we actually are called to be like Jesus? And when he says, come, come. And I love this story about Peter. I'm going to build Peter up today. I love this story about Peter because it says this. It says, they cried out, it's a ghost. The Lord came in a way they've never seen before. He's walking on water. What if he's moving your life in a new way? What if he wants to move in your life in a new way? Jesus is walking on water, and Peter's like, Lord, if it's you, help me to just know that. How many of you know you can have a conversation with Jesus when he's doing stuff you're unfamiliar with? It's okay. And because Jesus is like, yeah, it's me. Don't worry about it. It's I. Come. If you want to come out, come. If you want to come do what I'm doing, come. The invitation was always there for the disciples. They were just, they didn't know what to make of Jesus. How many of you have ever seen something where Jesus makes you uncomfortable? He's doing something around you that's different from what he's doing in you. How many of you have seen somebody shake, rattle, and roll, and you're just like, Lord, am I saved? <laughs> yeah? And you know, does that make sense? You're like, people are, people are shika baba in and vibrating, and you're like, I need somebody to preach the gospel to me. Like, I don't know. We usually have one of two things. We can get offended at it. We can, we, can, we can hold an offense in our heart at it. We can, just our misunderstanding can distance us from the God who's walking on water. And it's okay. The word says to test everything. They tested it. They're like, it's a ghost. Let's test this. Lord, is that you? Yep, it's me. Peter's like, I got faith for that. Lord, if you tell me to come, I got faith that you're gonna, you can bring me to you. How many of you know, if God says to go to a promise, he'll bring you there. It might be unknown. It might be different, but he will bring you there. Then it says this. We're fast-tracking this, but then it says this. It says that when he got out, he walked on water. He began to sink. Everyone's like, keep your eyes on Jesus. I like it. It's a good word. But let's get out, and let's take some risks so that we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's easy to stay in the boat and be like, that guy walked on water, but did you see him fall? Church, keep your eyes on Jesus, otherwise don't get out of the water. Jesus never says that. He just is saying, come. Go through that trial, that transition. I'm going to grow you during the midst of it. Peter got the best lesson of everyone because he walked on water and he found out, oh, okay, it was just a little bit of doubt there that sunk me. I could get over that next time for sure. Meanwhile, the disciples, church, oh, Andrew, Andrew, James, the other disciples, didn't get up and start turning to the, the church in the boat and say, look at that mistake, everyone. Let's learn our lesson. We don't get out unless Jesus holds our hand and we lock eyes with him and we have to make sure every step is perfect. No, they actually, they witnessed somebody else's risk in Peter and it brought them into an encounter with, with the Lord. Your boldness brings people into encounters with Jesus. Like your obedience to those little steps 
actually create an atmosphere that your family, friends, and network are going to be encountering his presence through you. Did you know that? Because you're going to be carrying a greater revelation of who he is. Am I making any sense today? So he gets out of the boat. He's walking. Then it says this. They had one of the coolest worship services in scripture. It says that as soon as they got back to the boat, the storm died down. And they get in the boat uh, being Peter and Jesus. And then it says they had a worship service. It says they worshiped him. How many of you know in scriptures, it says often that they would do things like uh, sing songs and hymns. Like Jesus would worship with his disciples. They actually had an atmosphere of worship if you read through the scriptures. Like Like they actually would go places and sing. They would go places to places of prayer and have encounters, and they would, worship, they would worship together. But now, they got a revelation of Jesus, and now they're worshiping Jesus. They're not just worshiping with Jesus, they're worshiping Jesus. And it says that they were in all of him. How many of you know that it's in the middle of that storm that maybe the greatest encounter with Jesus is buried, waiting for us to uncover. That he was different now. You know, you guys have heard this, but um, there's a study done of uh, youth who are grown up in a Christian household uh, and who go on to, um, to follow the Lord or don't follow the Lord. And there's, this, there's a really large percentage. It's, it's a crazy statistic that a lot of youth fall away from the Lord after maybe having exposure to like a youth group or a Christian household, that they'll go through an adolescent stage and many, many fall away from the Lord at that time. How many of you know that's why youth ministry is so critical? Come on, Jesus. Those are our formative years. You guys remember that. How many of you guys love our youth pastors, Jordan and Emily? They're the best in the business. You know, it's amazing to, have, to, to encounter the Lord in those, in those teen years and early 20 years. There was a study done. What was the thing that caused people to move away? Well, what they found was this. The one common thread of those that, that were grown up in a Christian household and continued to follow the Lord and didn't have a fall away period of their life. You know what the common thread was? Is that as a, as a family, they prayed together and saw God answer prayer. It's the only common thread of seeing God answer prayer. That over and over again, why? When we pray and we see God answer prayer, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're praying for this little thing that's kind of on your heart or if you're just praying for a major breakthrough of your life or someone else's life. When we see God answer prayer, we have a new revelation of what he's like. That he is faithful. He is your Adonai. So here they are. They have this new revelation of Jesus, and it calls them to have a worship service on a boat. Now, something that slips by, I've missed this so many times. I'm going to read the rest here, verse 34 through 36. When they crossed over and landed, the whole country came out to them. And then it says this, verse 36. People brought their sick to Jesus and begged him to let the sick touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. Do you guys remember in the scriptures other stories about Jesus where, like, Jesus would, would, would heal Peter's mother-in-law? That Jesus would heal, heal little girls, uh, a little girl who was, who was dead, and he told people, oh, no, she's just asleep, and they laughed at him. His reality was different than theirs. 
There are times that Jesus had to take some of his disciples and kind of put them over there in another room and then take just a couple with him to heal people. Super offensive, I know. That sometimes it says that due to unbelief that Jesus could only perform a few miracles. It says that there were some areas that the, the, the atmospheric unbelief limited what God wanted to do in that area. Everyone say boo. <laughs> boo, you know. Not in my area, Lord, you know. But we see this where Jesus withdraws sometimes so that God can fully move because sometimes there was interference from doubt, unbelief, and from the mindset of men. How many of you have been there before? You've recognized it before. You've felt it before. How many of you are like, yep, I brought that. Jesus would have had to excuse me from the room once or twice. You know what Jesus does? He never gives up on people. Did you know that? He never was like, all right, Peter and James, John, come on in. Everyone else, all you other disciples, I'm almost done with you. I need you to step up. I'm level 10. You're like level 2. Step up. No, Jesus just does only what he sees his father doing at any cost. And what he saw his father doing was healing, the, was raising the girl from the dead who he saw as just asleep. What he was doing was healing Peter's mother-in-law, but he needed to remove people around him that would hinder any action of the Lord. Does this make sense? Follow me here. Don't start hating people. People aren't your problem. Did you know that? But over and over again, we see this. What happens here? What happens here in this story? It says that everyone was pushing in from all around him. How many of you know that means the disciples weren't just near Jesus? They were probably rubbing up against him because of the crowds that were coming in just to touch the edge of his garment. What happened? They carried worship, and it released God to do things that had never been done before. You see, it was on the heels of their worship service on a boat that the disciples were in the right place with Jesus. They recognized him for who he is, and it opened up the masses to come and get healed. Did you know that? It actually says on the heel of that worship service, these same disciples that sometimes he would have to dismiss, now they saw him for who he is, and now a whole country got to come to Jesus. It says the whole country came to him. And they're pressing in and pressing in. Why? Because Jesus' disciples now saw him for who he is. He's the one who calmed the storm, who walks on the water, and who invites you out. There was no longer this murkiness, this haze about who Jesus was in that moment. Did you know your worship brings regional breakthrough to the area you're worshiping? You're like, I need my own regional breakthrough. Your worship does more than you think. Your worship does so much more than you think. That sometimes we come into worship and we're just like, Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. I see you. And other times you come in and you're like, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And other times you're coming in crying and weeping. I have news for you. Every time you release worship, you release an altar for the Lord. And I don't know about you, I want my altar to be big so a lot of fire can come. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I want my altar to be a place that impacts a region so that I can go and Jesus comes. I want to be, I, your worship is often going to feel like an offering. How many of you know that? Your season of trial, your season of, of transition, worship feels not awesome. 
Worship feels like this is the last thing maybe my flesh wants to do, but I know that when I release worship, I align myself with the Lord, and there is freedom for him to move in these places in my life. Does anyone need the Lord to move in new places in your life? We're almost done. Are you guys okay? Over and over again, getting infatuated with Jesus. This is what John would say. Now, this was, this was written in the book of John by John, and John was the same guy that would make sure that he listed things like uh, the disciple who laid his head on Jesus' chest. It was John. Like, he wrote that in his own gospel. He wrote that he was faster than Peter. He wrote that, that he got there quicker. You know, John has no problem being the beloved of the Lord. He has great self-esteem. If you read through the book of John, over and over, John refers to himself in the book of John as the, as the a disciple who Jesus loved. I love John. John also said in 1 John 2 that you have an anointing from the Holy One and that anointing is real and it, it abides, it rests on you. How many of you have ever been in a crowded place? Um, okay, I'll give you an example. So uh, I, I love traveling. And a number of years ago, I bought uh, noise-canceling headphones. Have you guys ever used them before? Like earbuds or headphones that cancel noise? I remember the first time I used them, I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. It really does cancel out noise when you push the little thing on the button that cancels it out. And, and I remember being the Detroit airport, and it was just crazy. And it was just, it was just, it was a really busy travel day. And I remember uh, putting these on, and I hit the button, and it was like, I like ascended to heavenly places right away. It was like very loud and chaotic to whoosh, totally still. And in that place, I just began to encounter the Lord, but I could have totally missed him with all the noise and chaos around me. In that place, I just began to weep and encounter Jesus. Like Jesus is sitting and resting in your area of chaos if we're able to push out the noise and fix our eyes on him. Amen? The, 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 Jesus over and over again was doing stuff that we never see anyone do. And John records it in such an intimate way. John says this in John 20 verse 30. It says, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not recorded in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's like, I couldn't even record everything that Jesus did. I couldn't record it. But these are recorded so that you would believe. You know, I was in a meeting with Randy Clark once, and Randy Clark said the scariest thing I have ever, I encountered the fear of the Lord in such a unique way during one of his meetings. I know I'm smiling right now, but just track with me. It, we, we were at this meeting. It was, I forget where, somewhere in Ohio, uh, maybe like six or seven years ago. And um, Randy Clark, he teaches on signs and wonders and miracles, a wonderful, wonderful teacher. And, and then he gets to this point. He's like, okay, now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna see Jesus heal people right now. He goes, but I need you to do this. Um, if you don't know the Lord, go ahead and stand up. Because you're about to see miracles, and according to the scriptures, if you see these miracles and don't give your life to the Lord, it's going to be held against you. So for your own sake, go ahead and get saved now, or you might want to leave the room. Why? Because he, he, that's, what, that's what it actually says in Matthew. Jesus said, if the, if the miracles that were performed in you, Capernaum, were performed in Sodom, Sodom would still be here because they would have repented. 
So he gave him a warning, saying, if you're not ready for this, if you don't want to give your life to Jesus right now, you should probably leave the room because you're about to see miracles, and those miracles are going to be held against you for your unbelief. I'm like, Lord, I want to be saved, Jesus? (laughs) How many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? The same Jesus Like right now, he's performing miracles in your body. Who needs a healing in their body? Just go ahead and stand right now. Go ahead and just receive a miracle. I'm telling you, he's here, he's present. Just go ahead and receive a miracle. I'm not gonna pray. I want you to just receive, just encounter the Lord. It doesn't, you don't need someone else to pray for you. It's just, he's gonna move right now in your body. He's gonna just begin to filter out toxins. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, Roger Sapp, he's just an amazing teacher. He talks often about the Lord moving so sovereignly just because he puts his attention on him. That he has individuals say things like, this healing belongs to me because what Jesus did on the cross. It's not earned. It's not a reward. It's because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Just keep standing for a little bit. I'm going I'm to finish here. It says this also in the book of John. 21, 25 says, and there are also many other things Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the whole world itself would not be able to contain the books that would be written. Jesus. It's all about Jesus. That the one who went to the cross for you has no problem coming into your situation right now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. One of the names of the Lord is your glory. It says this in Psalm 3.3, but you, Lord, are a shield around me. You are my glory. The one who lifts my head. Lord, thank you for being our glory right now. Wherever you need healing in your body, your hands are loaded according to Scripture. Go ahead and put your hand on that part of your body. It might be your knee. It could be your stomach. It could be your head. It could be your back. Whatever that looks like, just go ahead and just receive that anointing that God's put on your life. Thank you, Lord. Everyone else, who, right now, let's just begin to worship the Lord. Just, just, go be, just, just, just take a moment here. Just worship the Lord. Lord, we love you. Jesus, you're so good. Lord, you're so good, Lord. We love you, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. You're so good, God. You're so good, Jesus. You're so good, Lord. I'm going to read some testimonies. And as you're just feeling the Lord, if you feel the Lord move in your body, just go ahead and just raise your hand in the air. As you, some of you are standing, some of you might be sitting, just, just, just you yourself, give thanks to the Lord for what he's doing in your body right now. As, as you feel him just begin to move in those places, as you sense him moving, just go ahead and just give him, give him thanks. Here's a testimony. Uh, a young man, this is a man from our church, he went out and prayed, and this other young man, his, Greg, his leg grew out an inch, and all his back pain left. Come on, Jesus. If you have back pain, the Lord's healing it right now. Here's another testimony. God made my pinky finger uh, straight. <laughs> he delivered me from, feel, from fear from my childhood and shame while he was healing me. I've never experienced this kind of freedom. Come on, Jesus. The Lord healed me of two large cysts. Praise the Lord, they're gone, they're dried up, I can't feel them. The Lord delivered me from a time of unhealthy relationships and brought me into a place of seeing, feeling, and knowing his love.
My car broke down the spring of last year, and I had to ride my bike for a few months. Then my friend said I could borrow his car. Then a couple months later, after borrowing his car, he told me that I can just have it. Come on, Jesus. Anyone else need, anyone need provision in the room? Go ahead and take that one. Go ahead and take it. Stand up, take it. This is an amazing testimony. This person received clarity and direction on their purpose, something they were seeking, and I found out that I have an inheritance that Jesus gave me. Literally, it was a land inheritance. It wasn't like a spiritual thing. They literally received an inheritance. Wherever you're at right now, let's all just raise up our hands. Lord, we just thank you, Jesus. I'm going to call the worship team up right now. Lord, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, that you call us to joy in the middle of our trials. I thank you, Jesus, that you're moving right now, that the anointing that rests on our life isn't, isn't dependent or conditional upon my acknowledgement, upon my feeling. It's conditional upon your faithfulness. So I thank you, Lord, right now. Lord, we just worship you in this place. I thank you, Jesus, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Holy Spirit, I thank you for bringing breakthrough, Lord, for breaking that heavy yoke. Jesus, I thank you right now that there's dreams you're stirring up against. Some of you have been so bogged down by the, by the small thing in front of you that he is doing a work that, that's a 30-year work that you're going to see over time. And that he's doing something. I see the Lord releasing right now new dreams, those dreams that, that just usher in great passion, those dreams that just usher in uh, a great reward, those dreams that usher in a new transition. And, 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 and I heard the Lord this morning talked about transitions, and I mentioned it before, but I want to say this is that the Lord can move powerfully in and out of any title of life you have. It doesn't matter if you change positions. What if the Lord was calling you to a new calling? What if he wanted actually to stir up a new fresh vision and a fresh dream? That the Lord actually has provision for you and grace to move into that place. He has provision and grace for you to move into that place. And if you're in a place that you're like, yeah, transition for me, it feels so foreign. I went from being a CEO, now I'm a cook. I went from being a pastor, now I'm leading some, uh, some business. You know, the Lord has purpose and calling, but your title can shift and change. It's okay. It's the same Jesus who leads you into that. So Father, I thank you right now. I just thank you right now for new freedom, God, to new freedom to follow you. And like Peter, I feel the Lord's challenging. Will you move when he moves? Will you come out on that water if he's moving out on the water? And there's an invitation that he's going to meet you in it. There's an invitation that he's going to meet you powerfully in it. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus.